Welcome back to another episode of the Stop to Think podcast. This is Chandler once again. For this episode, I thought that, well, I think you guys have had enough um, incentive structures and personal relationships, which is kind of what we've talked about the last three episodes. So for this one, I figured it's time for us to move on into what might be maybe a more interesting branch of the incentive structure topic, which is going to be incentive structures in like the workplace or like in careers kind of. So I guess the thing that comes to mind that needs to be said, first of all, because I think it's like rule number one, almost the most important thing when it comes to this is you pay, you get what you pay for basically. And that's kind of how incentive structures in a career context and in a workplace context, kind of how that that's how it plays out. So now granted, of course, there's going to be exception to this because people are, you know, I guess capable of thinking and they can work for reasons other than the ones we're going to discuss here. But if you operate under the assumption that in general, your average person, your average human being is going to want to be paid the most for the least amount of work with work here, meaning any kind of effort, time commitment, physical labor, etc. Basically, if you operate with the assumption that people want to receive the highest amount of reward possible for the least amount of work, and you imply incentive structure to this, you kind of find out a bunch of interesting things that are obscured when you're not thinking about it in this respect, but become but they become very clear when you do think about it through these lenses. So like let's look at each type of compensation that's kind of popular in the world. So probably one of the more popular ways of compensating people for working is, you know, to provide them an hourly wage. So for every hour someone works for you, you pay them X amount of dollars, right? So what's interesting about this is the government kind of mandates that for like overtime, so over 40 hours a week, you have to pay them time and a half. So basically 1.5 times what you normally pay them. And um, with that being the case, people are basically incentivized by an hourly wage, assuming, of course, that they are interested in working the least for the most reward in basically hampering the efficiency of your operation. So, for an example, let's say you're the owner of a widget factory, right? And your factory produces widgets and you hire employees to work for you hourly to build these widgets, right? So you as the owner of your your factory get paid per widget you sell, but you're paying your employees per hour of their time they spend building widgets. So now without any intervention on your part, Because mind you, you're going to have to intervene if you don't want this to happen. But assuming you don't intervene, the natural 
I guess, lowest energy state for your workers is if they're smart and if they're thinking about their situation, they're going to realize like, hey, um, if we build 10 widgets an hour, we're going to get paid the same amount as if we build eight widgets an hour. And if it takes a lot of extra work to build those extra two widgets an hour, like, so for example, let's say that um, the amount of effort at eight widgets an hour, you can kind of go along at a lackadaisical pace. The assembly line's moving slow, work's relaxing, you're not really rushing, you could easily be more efficient and build more per hour. But at this pace, you pretty much have like a leisure job. You're basically getting paid to kind of coast through and relax, right? So if that's the case at eight, and the pay is going to be the same, whether it's eight, 10 or 15, and at like 15 widgets per hour, your employees are going to feel like they're dying because they're going to be rushing around, don't have a single second to stop and think or go to the bathroom or anything like that. If that's if that's how your, your company's set up, your employees are naturally going to gravitate towards reducing production. They're going to, they're going to want to build the eight widgets an hour, work less while still getting paid the same amount of hourly wages. So this kind of applies to pretty much everything that rolls in hourly compensation. If you're trying to minimize the amount of work you're going to do while still maximizing your pay as an hourly employee, it's in your best interest to make things take as many hours as possible. Now, some ways to circumnavigate this if you're an employer is to, of course, like, you know, maybe cap the number of hours that an employee can work. So, for instance, cap them at 40 hours a week, which is the standard work week. So, at best, your employee is only going to be able to make so many dollars a week. And this kind of prevents them from being able to like basically bleed you dry of additional cost. So, oh, that's not actually necessarily true. It, it kind of caps your spending per week in a sense. So like you're never going to pay more than 40 hours times your hourly wage per employee per week to have your workforce. But at the same time, they're not going to get more stuff done either necessarily because they're just trying to work at their slow and steady pace that they enjoy working at. So by capping their time, you're basically just capping the amounts you're going to have to pay in a given week, but you're not really like mitigating any of your production shortcomings, I guess. So if you think about this, this can be kind of applied, like I said, to any place where you have hourly pay, like take lawyers, for instance, if they're charging you a hundred dollars an hour and they could work harder, put more effort forth, something like that to basically say, say you say you hire a lawyer and he has roughly seven hours of work. That's going to cost you $700. 
but he could actually get that those seven hours of work done in five hours. The lawyer has no incentive beyond honesty and not being a crook pretty much to work hard and expedite his, uh, his work to save you 200 bucks. So right there, that's one incentive structure in our society that potentially is problematic for employers to say the least for employees. I guess it doesn't necessarily matter too much if they are thinking on like a me-centered, me-first plane. But if they kind of think a bigger picture, which most people don't do, but if they would think bigger picture, they'd realize that, hey, um, this guy's paying me this many dollars to work here this many hours. And we could be working harder, but we're not. And what's resulting is we're basically capping the number of profits that this company can make. And the company's definitely not going to pay us more ever if we're not generating the revenue with which to pay us. Now, of course, most companies, if their employees were working harder per hour, generating more revenue for the company overall, they probably just pocket the extra revenue as profits or something like that. But if the employees aren't capable of upping the output, then generosity on management's parts, not even like within the, the realm of possibility. So there, that's kind of the breakdown on charging hourly or paying someone by the hour. The only way you can really get hard work for the hour, hard work while paying by the hour is if you like institute like tasks management situations kind of. So like you specify that you're going to be paid by the hour and every hour I expect X number of widgets to be built. And if you guys don't build X number of widgets, you're getting fired. So then what you've effectively done is you've called your herd to basically force anyone who wants to work at the leisurely pace that's not going to produce X number of widgets to quit or be fired pretty much. So essentially you're just changing your labor to us in a sense. So you're, you're now switching from paying people who would work for your hourly weights with an easy job to more desperate people potentially who are willing to work harder to earn the same amount of money. Right? So there you go. That's hourly incentives, simple hourly incentives. The next common one we have is salary, which of course is, I guess, um, I don't actually know. I was going to say salary might be the more common type of compensation in the United States, but I'm not sure if that would actually be the case because now I'm thinking about it. I would think that hourly would probably have to weigh out as the winner, but regardless of which one's more popular, um, with salary workforce and uh, for the hourly and for the salary, we're assuming no overtime. Obviously, with hourly, if overtime is an option, well, then 
employees kind of have an incentive to try and work more than 40 hours a week if they have the time to do it. But as an employer, having to pay overtime is a massive disadvantage to you because like, you know, circling back quick, if, if we're saying that you can produce eight widgets an hour, regardless of whether it's produced in a regular hour or an overtime hour, then all that having all that moving into overtime does for you is basically increases your cost of producing your widgets. So basically you can't mark up your, well, what a guy would actually end up doing is basically you'd factor in your regular time labor costs and then your overtime labor costs. And then you'd use the total cost, which is the combination of all labor to set your pricing on your widgets. So essentially that's kind of how it would get absorbed. But the point I'm getting at here is that when you're running your factory at overtime rates, in other words, when you're paying X times $1.5 to employer hourly employees, you basically increased your cost of production of your widgets by 50% for the hours that they're being built in overtime. So depending on your profit margins, it's really not significantly advanced. It's not an advantage for you to run overtime necessarily unless the demand for your your product is so great that it can easily offset the price increases that are going to be required to pay your labor force to work longer than they would otherwise. So getting off that tangent, heading back to salary, a person might think that, okay, so if hourly incentivizes people to basically work the least amount of well, work, like to minimize, to drag out their jobs, to maximize the time it takes them to do a given amount of work, to maximize their pay. That's what hourly wages incentivize someone to do, is to work as slowly as possible so that they have as many hours as possible so that they get paid as much as possible. Now, some people might think, okay, so then salary fixes the whole entire problem, right? Well, wrong. So with a salary pay, what you're basically doing is you're saying, all right, young man or young woman, I will pay you $50,000 for you to work for me all year full time. And so really this just boils down into another hourly wage. But the kicker is, is that it's obscured from view and it allows some trickery. So the incentive normally for someone to be put on salary is that, or the, the benefit to an employee to be on salary, there's a couple of them. First is stability. So when you're working hourly, you have to actually put in the hours. So like if one week you decide not to work 40 hours, well, guess what? You're not getting paid that week. Whereas with salaried, it's generally kind of accepted that like you're going to get like um, certain benefits like paid time off, PTO, vacation, where, um, you're not actually working for the company. You're not putting hours in. You're off doing vacation stuff, but you're still getting paid. Like your your paycheck is still the same. So basically, there's in, with a salary wage, there's some built-in security there, and that's that's something that people tend to like. Uh, there's consistency that comes along with the security. With salary, you kind of always know what you're going to make. 
And then beyond that, um, a person might ask, okay, so the employee is benefiting. What's, what's the employer getting out of paying people's salary? Well, basically, with uh, hourly wages, there is a linear relationship between the amount of hours worked and the amount of money that you have to pay someone. So for every hour worked, you owe someone X amount of dollars until you get into overtime range, in which case then you owe X times 1.5 amount of dollars. So it's basically, if you were to graph this, you'd have two linear lines, one line with the regular slope and then one line with a slope that's slightly steeper with um, the number of hours you're working on your X axis and the, the amount you're paying out in your Y axis. With hourly, it, it's kind of interesting because what ends up happening is the amount of hours you work takes on a inverse relationship to your pay kind of. So let's say for an example, you're paid that, uh, we'll say you're paid $60,000 a year, right? Well, 12 months in a year, which means you're going to get five grand a month, which basically means that if you have a month in which you work one hour, well, congratulations, you were just paid $5,000 an hour. But uh, say you work two hours. Well, now you were paid $2,500 an hour. Three, four, five, six, so on and so forth. The more hours you work, the less you're paid per hour. And that's kind of where companies gain an advantage when they uh, switch people over to salary. Because now they kind of take on the risk of having to like front you the money with the understanding that you're, you're going to work a specific amount of hours and that, that the expectation is usually 40 hours a week, right? But then they also slap you with job responsibilities that you're responsible for. And if these job responsibilities happen to require you to work an extra 10 hours a week or something like that, well, then guess what? For every hour you go over your 40, your hourly pay rate is actually decreasing. So, and it's, it's a pretty substantial decrease too. And most salaried employees are overtime exempt. So that basically means that once you're over your 40 hours, you're, um, you're getting paid less and less. So the typical month has a 160 hours in it, workable hours. If you're doing the 40 hours a week, assuming four weeks. So that kind of boils down to an hourly wage of $31 an hour, right? But if you're doing 10 hours overtime each week, but you're not getting paid for it, you go from 160 hours worked to 200 hours worked, which immediately drops your, your monthly $5,000 salary from being around that 31.25 mark to just $25 an hour. Typically, salary people are more skilled than hourly, just because that's kind of the general arrangement that you see in the corporate environment. So what that means is basically a company 
when they require their salary to work more to accomplish responsibilities, they're limiting their upside risk because the amount they're going to pay you to solve the problems is finite. You're only getting $5,000 this month, regardless of what you're doing for them. And so the more you work, the harder you work, the less you're getting paid per hour. So basically the amount of effort that you're putting in as it, as your effort towards your job increases, your pay per hour at that job decreases. So that was a lot of talking. What's the point of everything that I just said? What does all this mean? This means that when you're working hourly, you're incentivized to work inefficient so as to make sure that your work takes as long as possible. When you're working salaried, you're incentivized to work exactly the minimum amount of time required for you to not get fired. So basically, if you're going to get fired, if you're working 39 hours a week, as opposed to 40, then you got to work 40 hours a week, which means that pretty much that earlier bit where I said, like, if you worked one hour, you'd make $5,000 an hour, two hours, 2,500, et cetera, et cetera. That part of the graph is blank. It's obscured. It's grayed out because it doesn't matter because any hours less than 39 or 40 an hour, any hours per week worked less than 40 an hour is going to result in you being terminated and therefore not having a job, which basically means that, um, you can't work less. So 40 hours a week is the minimum amount of time you can put in to um, your job and still retain your job. And you also don't want to work any more because each additional hour you work more over and beyond the 40 hours a week is basically reduced wages for you. You're donating time to your company. Now, some people don't mind doing that because work gives them extra purpose, but, um, and there's nothing wrong with that either. If you love your job, congratulations. You're a very lucky person because from what I understand, the majority of people in our country do not, in fact, love their jobs. But um, all that fun aside, the point that we're getting at here is basically that when you're salaried, you're incentivized to basically meet the bare expectations and then to bug out as quickly as possible. So minimum amount of effort you can possibly put in to meet your responsibilities. And then that's it because that's the situation in which you're going to maximize your reward per effort is when you're working, when you're working the bare amount you possibly can while earning the same salary. So yeah, as you can now see, the uh, two most popular ways of compensating employees in the United States, salaried and hourly, are deeply flawed and don't actually help the employers achieve productivity or forward progress unless they're providing basically additional incentives. And that's what a lot of them have to do. Because, like, obviously, you know, benefits can kind of come into play with some of this. And then, in a sense, a lot of this, this, this tendency for employees to gravitate towards the least amount of effort possible 
a lot of that tendency is counteracted directly by management basically issuing what amounts to pretty much threats, more or less. Like production targets, higher expectations, all that stuff. Basically, they raise the bar. They, they try and force you into um, situations where they benefit. So in the hourly case, they try and ramp up production. They try and make you produce more per hour or else you're going to get fired. In the case of salary, they load you up with responsibilities that realistically require probably more than 40 hours a week to take care of. And then they expect you to get all that stuff done. So, yeah, all that stuff's messed up. So what are the other types of incentives that you have out there in the world that could potentially exist? Well, hourly and salary incentive structures in general are as varied as like a deck of cards that's shuffled, right? So you could concoct any kind of incentive structure that you could dream up and there's a decent chance it might work to a certain extent. So like there's pretty much an infinite number of comb combinations for these things that we could talk about, but we're not going to do that because I don't want to subject you guys to that kind of tedious discussion. So we're just going to stick to, I guess, the heavy hitters. So we've done hourly, we've done salary. So what else is there? Well, kind of looks like I'm running out of time in this episode. We're at 26 minutes right now. So I think we'll push off the, uh, the next type of compensation, the next type of career work-related incentive to uh, next episode. So as always, uh, thank you for listening and uh, hope you guys enjoyed and that you have a great rest of your day.